Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at KDUS 1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Friday. It's April 21st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortzlaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. That's right. You know what's coming. It's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Not your normal meat market with the craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for your four-legged friends. 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. We'll get to the weekend special shortly. The $100 gift certificate that could be yours still available during today's program but let's get things started with our poll questions for the day and we'll set the scene with the kdus1060.com poll question the suns they now have a 2-1 series lead on the clippers they'll play again saturday afternoon 12:30 p.m. so should the suns win on saturday afternoon even if Kawhi leonard returns yes out in front at 80 percent of the vote no trailing at 20 percent yeah, and uh, you know there was speculation. And I know there was at least one report yesterday that uh, you know because of this quick turnaround in this uh, game tomorrow, you know, the Lakers are also playing at home tomorrow night, so that's why they're playing at twelve thirty our time tomorrow. That uh, they didn't think that Leonard could nearly pull off the two games in forty eight hours type of thing, and uh, so they basically uh, decided that it'd be easier, if, better if he rested last night and speculation is that the the intention is he plays on Saturday, obviously judged by the point spread. You know, the odds makers, they don't quite know what to do about this. You know, that game was a two and a half, three point number before Leonard was ruled out yesterday morning. Uh, I think it was right at, uh, during the shoot around tomorrow morning, yesterday morning, excuse me, with, uh, with, uh, the Clippers and, uh, you know, the game went off at like seven and a half, eight in a lot of locations. In fact, last night, uh, so some sports books got middled. Some betters got a middle. Uh, so good for them. Uh, but uh, you know, just based on the numbers sitting at five right now for tomorrow's game, I think the odds makers just kind of confused. And uh, some of them got burned yesterday because of uh, the late announcement on Leonard. I'm not going to lie. When the announcement came across on Twitter, I stopped and I said, is this some sort of ruse? Because the blue checkmark thing has all gone away. And I was like, I don't know. How do well, I, I heard, figure out? I heard about that. Yeah. How yeah. do I figure out if this is verifiable? Like, am I going to be running with something yeah. that's completely inaccurate? And then I was like, okay, everyone in the world is on this. So this would be quite quite a ruse if uh, all everyone was wrong. But there was still like a twinge of me being like, okay, is Kawhi? Leonard going through shoot around is he going through pregame warm-ups all right he's officially out uh so that's going to yeah. confuse Ty- me here for a while yeah well Tyron Lou said it yesterday so you know he didn't you know they weren't trying to you know basically sandbag or anything which they were 
Uh, if people recall two years ago, when obviously the Suns eliminated the Clippers in, in the Western Conference Finals, that was the series after Leonard got hurt against the Jazz. And pretty much that entire series, if not for that entire series, they kept saying that Leonard was game to game or day to day, and the dude had a torn ACL. Yes, and supposedly this has nothing to do with the torn ACL. It's uh, the same supposedly. knee, the, the right knee. They're, they're calling it a right knee strain, so we'll see how all of that unfolds. We'll answer that question, though, today around 1130 on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. Zach Gallen will be on the mound tonight against the Padres for the D-backs. So do the D-backs bounce back and win tonight with Zach Gallen on the mound? Masses are out in front, 75% of the vote. 25% is on the no side of things. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. The Diamondbacks, a small favorite, 6-5 to five basically tonight uh, in that game with Gallon And then Gallon, obviously the pitcher of the week in the National League last week after he didn't allow a run in his two performances against uh, the Marlins. And uh, I forgot who else they pitched against, who he pitched against last week, whatever it was. Uh, two straight, uh, he didn't give up any runs in either game. Uh and really, you know, unfortunately for the Diamondbacks, or maybe fortunate, you know, because you know Tatis made his debut last night. You know, and while he ripped it up in you know Triple A or wherever, I forgot where he, he might he actually might have been Double A, wherever he was in the minor leagues, he destroyed minor league pitching and and so forth. But it might take him a little while to get going. And also, Joel, you know, Joe Musgrove is going to be back. He's going to make his season debut on the mound for the Padres tomorrow night. Uh, so at least that's the anticipation he's going to pitch tomorrow night. So uh, they're getting a healthy Padre team here, and uh, you know I think that uh, if you just look at the matchups for the weekend, that the Diamondbacks, the best chance of the Diamondbacks winning a game in this series would be tonight with uh, Gallon on the mound. 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. That's the location for our friends Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials, certified Angus beef choice strip steaks at $4 a pound off, prime pork butt at $2.99 a pound, and oven-ready chicken parmesan at $7.99 a pound. Oven-ready chicken parmesan sounds pretty good about now. So visit them, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. Let's go back to last. You never go wrong with chicken parm, right? Yeah, you cannot. You absolutely cannot. Yeah. Let's go back to last night. The Suns beating the Clippers 129 to 124. Obviously, the news coming out yesterday, Kawhi Leonard missing the game with a right knee strain. Reports he did it in game one, played through it in game two. So for the Clippers, they inserted Norman Powell into the starting lineup. He went off. 42 points on 15 of 23. Russell Westbrook continued to be uh, a pest all over the court and contributing with points as well. 30 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds, but sometimes with Russell Westbrook, you get all of that. He also had 6 turnovers in the ball game. For the Suns, once again, it was the Devin Booker show. 45 minutes and 45 points, 18 of 29 from the floor and 3 of 7 from 3. I didn't think... This was sustainable for Booker to keep playing this many minutes, have the ball be in his hands this often, have to be this dominant on the ball, uh, creating shots, driving to the basket, that at some point it's going to, like, fatigue is going to catch up, but it didn't last night. He once again did it with some better efficiency as well. Uh, But so far, the Suns have needed all of this from Booker. 
That's true. I think it did catch up at the defensive end. He was part of the Norman Powell explosion at the other end of the floor. Yeah, he was one of several players trying to slow down uh, Norman Powell, uh, who ended up with the 42 points in 40 minutes last night. Yeah, Westbrook, you mentioned the turnovers. He had 30 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds. And he the first thing that Westbrook talked about when he got to the podium last night, he was really frustrated with his turnovers. But that's part of the deal. And you know you're going to get uh, 100% full effort out of Westbrook. And the dude never gets tired. It's pretty amazing. But uh, I do think that uh, you know, Booker's you know, at the defensive end, he was one of several who you know, tried to you – know, make kind of some kind of stand defensively uh, against Powell. And I uh, think that's maybe where he, uh, you know, I know he made a couple of shots block shots and so forth, defensive plays, etc. And uh, the local broadcasting crew thinks he's the greatest defensive player of all time. Now he's, he was, he's okay. He was really good earlier in the series, but he wasn't particularly good on defense last night, but hell nobody was. Yeah, they they allowed the Clippers to shoot 60% and score 73 or 73 points in the second half, but they shot 60% in the second half. And not many teams in the playoffs, if you, um, I'm guessing if you told the Clippers they're going to win, uh, you know, shoot 60% in the second half and score more than 70 points, they would have thought they were going to win the game. The Clippers, they are a bunch of of players that do not go away they are a relentless bunch however this was the first time that i remember in a long time that the free throw percentage favored the suns 46 to 25 the suns made 35 of 46 clippers made 19 of 25 and this is kind of where kd made his impact in the game with 28 points 8 of 15 1 of 3 from 3 but 11 of 11 from the foul line he did have six rebounds five assists and six turnovers this I thought was an interesting quote from Monty Williams last night. I feel bad for Kev sometimes because he's an expensive decoy out there. He's standing at the 28-foot hash mark and the defender is right in his face, and that gives Book a number of opportunities to attack the basket. Agreed. And going back to the thing about the free throw differential, it shouldn't be that surprising, quite frankly, because the Clippers went small almost the entire game. And the Suns had a huge advantage lengthwise at almost every position. Uh, yes, they definitely did go small, which this leads me to an interesting quote that I saw from John Hollinger, who uh, former executive in the NBA and now writes for The Athletic. He was talking about DeAndre Ayton. Two different things here with Aiton. His first tweet from last night, man, Aiton is frustrating sometimes, turns a dunk into a little floater thing and gets his ish sent back by Nick Batum. Then also has this tweet, the NBA in 2023, DeAndre Aiton being guarded by Terrence Mann and Suns haven't even considered passing it to him. Aiton, he got better in the second half, but struggled mightily in the first half. He ended with four of nine, 12 points, uh, and he certainly has to knock down those shots yeah i don't even care about that personally he's turned into a screener and he's done an extremely good job of that and monty williams has mentioned that in both of the last two games in the post-game press conferences and he's had a lot to do uh with booker and especially durant he and durant got something going it's not exactly a screen roll type of thing uh like it is with the uh, paul and eaton but uh, the fact that he's become in Biombo is a very good screener too, uh, and uh, that's something that Van Gundy I know pointed out uh, continually during Game Two. But uh, it seems to be the biggest part uh, 
the, mo- the biggest thing that Aiton does on the offensive end now is set screens for others. But, and shockingly, at least to me, he's really good at it. Chris Paul, 11 points on 5 of 18 and just 1 of 8 from 3, 6 rebounds and 7 assists. But he did have to play 41 minutes, so we'll see how that impacts Chris Paul for also the quick turnaround on Saturday afternoon. Bench play. See, I don't think that I don't think that's going to play a role at all. Uh, he was terrible, by the way, last night on mm-hmm. defense. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he can't be basically at this stage of his career. He can't really stop anybody unless he just tries to fool them. And you know, ton, most of the Westbrook's production uh, it, it came with you know Paul trying to defend him. Part of the problem was is that you know they couldn't stop Norman Powell, and they actually put Craig on Norman Powell, and that didn't work either. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I don't think that the the Paul was a particularly taxing 41 minutes. And uh, you know, there's lots of possessions now that the Suns don't have him running their offense and bringing the ball up, etc. A whole lot of it was with Booker, obviously, and Paul's out. Booker's now the point guard, and then you know Durant is actually bringing the ball up quite a bit too. The bench play, Clippers 39, Suns 18. The Suns did get 21 minutes from Josh Okoge. He was 1 of 5, but he was 4 of 5 from the foul line for 6.7 rebounds and 2 steals. Also, Damian Lee getting some minutes, 11 minutes, 2 of 3 from 3 for 8 points. Yeah, Okoge shouldn't be playing. I'm sorry. He's just, uh, he should not be playing, as I mentioned on Wednesday he should not be forced to play, and I know he has to play for this team some. He should not be forced to play any meaningful minutes in any playoff game. Uh, he's just a, you know does too many things that aren't good. Uh, as far as the Lee actually made a couple of key shots last night, he kind of reminds me of a different version of Cameron Payne. That uh, you know both those guys, if if they're on the floor, they have some scoring ability. But if they're not scoring, you got to get them off the floor. And uh, he did make a couple of shots last night, including one in the fourth quarter. Uh, so you know that uh, you know that that was a good thing there. Really, uh, Biombo is the only guy that really uh, of anybody on the Suns bench. He's the only dude uh, at this point that deserves any meaningful minutes in any playoff game. Uh, it was kind of another slow start here. So I, I guess I pose this question to you. Does it, it is being this hard offensively for the Suns to get something going against this Clippers team, and especially even without Kawhi Leonard last night? So should it be this hard? No, it shouldn't be because they're a vastly superior team even with Kawhi Leonard on the floor. Uh, you know, no Leonard, no Paul George, etc., uh, it's uh, kind of uh, the last night it was six nothing, but then the Suns got what they get like twelve of the next thirteen points or something after that. So, and it was twenty seven twenty seven at the end of the first quarter, and you know really nobody guarded anybody after the first quarter in that game last night uh, on either team, either side of the you know either individually or collectively, uh, and uh, you know the Suns came up, uh, you know they, they allowed sixty percent shooting in the second half. And the Clippers, I believe it was 74 points they got in the second half. I mean, that that's just those are just ridiculously bad numbers. Uh, so we've mentioned it a couple of times here, the quick turnaround being a game on Saturday afternoon, 1230 start. Both teams are having to log some big minutes uh, for their key guys. So can we kind of 
figure out whose fatigue will hurt the most uh, for this quick turnaround. Yeah, the Clippers. I mean, they, they're not as good. I mean, I don't care about the fatigue thing. It's the postseason and also the way that this playoff uh, series is structured, which we mentioned before the series even began, that you know, after tomorrow and they play at 1230 tomorrow because the Lakers have the game tomorrow night, and obviously they're going to put the Lakers in the primetime game. Uh, the uh, NBA is going to do that for sure every time. They're not going to put the Clippers in the primetime and have the Lakers, you know, you know, basically get the noontime game on a Saturday. So that's uh, that's the deal. But they don't play again until Tuesday, and then uh, you know, there's the usual, you know, the usual thing after that. So, you know, the better team uh, is clearly Phoenix. Even if they're you know not fully healthy, but if Leonard's playing, the Suns are a better team, and. Uh, Really, even if Paul George plays, the Suns should not lose another game in this series. It should be over. One little tidbit before we go to break. Uh, Booker's 45 points gave him his fifth career 40-plus point postseason game in his career. Yes, uh, and uh, we talked about with uh, Steve Ashburner from NBA.com, and I was really glad to hear Steve's thought process there because you know we've seen Booker evolve as a player and a lot of what steve said in the uh you know podcast you missed uh, the first hour of the sports zone but uh what he said about booker and the kind of the way that he's looked at uh, booker from afar in his career is kind of the way i think uh, i've looked at uh, booker from close uh you know lose, watching pretty much every game and every minute he's played in his career pretty much the same uh, thought process that i've had with booker's career that steve has We'll take your calls today, 1030 and 1115, the number 602-260-1060 to join the program, 1030 and 1115. We'll get into more NBA from last night on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point on this Friday, April 21st. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's continue on with taking a look back to last night, NBA playoffs. Uh, the 76ers topping the Nets 102-97. to I think it's fair to say that these two teams are tired of playing one another. Uh, you had James Harden ejected with a flagrant two foul. You had Nick Claxton ejected in the fourth quarter for his second technical foul. You had Joel Embiid, who should have been ejected for kicking Claxton, uh, but we'll also have to continue to monitor. But he and- missed. <laughs> he did. Um, so he didn't get ejected, I guess, because he missed. Uh, but we'll have to monitor Embiid, who is clearly limping. He left the court at one point as well. So we'll have to see what's uh, going on with Embiid's health status. Okay. Also, he might be suspended because he should have been ejected. Yeah, we saw, obviously, Draymond get suspended after the fact uh, for the next game. So as uh, Steve Ashburner for NBA.com mentioned in uh, the, the sports zone today, yeah, there's a real chance that MB could be ejected, excuse me, suspended, uh, because he you know, wasn't ejected from this game last night. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you, know, you mentioned uh, they're sick of each other. Well, I'm sick of watching them play each other. Uh, it's been, what, seven games? I didn't watch them all during – I didn't watch any of them in the regular season. But, 
you know, they haven't, well, they played like six games this season or seven games this season, and the Sixers have won them all. Correct. And uh, last night, even after Harden got ejected, you know, Tyrese Maxey just took over. I mean, he was the primary ball handler. He ended up with 25 points on a night that he did not win the uh, Sixth Man of the Year award. I'm guessing by the end of the night, people would have maybe said, well, maybe he should have won the Sixth Man. But that's based on the regular season. And Malcolm Brogdon was the right winner of that award. Um, he's a, you know, one of my favorite players going all the way back to the University of Virginia. So because he's one of my favorite players, they got that right. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, you yeah, know, the Sixers are up 3-0. And once again, uh, here we go. Uh, teams in the NBA playoffs uh, that have led 3-0 are all-time 147-0 winning the series. Uh, you mentioned Tyrese Maxey. He had made the... F- last four shots on the court for the 76ers before the Melton Melton dunk on the steal of the inbounds play by the Nets. I know P.J. Tucker had one uh, free throw in there, but Tyrese Maxey was the man bringing the 76ers back there. Embiid, he had a critical block to seal the victory, but just 14 points, 5 of 13, 10 rebounds and 2 blocks. James Harden, before he was ejected, 21 points on 8 of 15, 3 of 7 from 3, and Maxey uh, involving his explosive fourth quarter and late in that contest, 25 points, 10 of 17, 5 of 8 from 3. I've always thought that Maxi's role should be a little bit bigger, uh, but you do have Embiid, you do have Harden, so you kind of have to, I guess, uh, concede to those guys. But I was waiting last postseason for Maxi to break out. Okay. Well, you're way ahead of the Maxi train than I am. Um, I thought he was an okay player uh, before this year and uh, certainly has stepped up this year. And I was really, as I mentioned, him taking over as the primary ball handler because, you know, Harden and Embiid have the ball like seemingly like 110% of the time. Uh, most of the games that Philadelphia plays and the fact that he just basically did everything. You know, he facilitated the offense, obviously. Yeah, had uh, yeah, you know, had plenty of offensive production himself, but uh, that was uh, he was very impressive last night. So that was good. The Embiid thing, yeah, the knee and the back and the and the ankle, and there's always something going on with him, and that's just why I haven't been able to trust him from start to finish of any season. And uh, they're going to make it obviously through this series, but I just kind of wonder if he can you know survive and you know either. Because of his cheap shots, which he's been doing forever, he just doesn't get as not nearly as much attention than Draymond does. And, you know, Draymond kind of uh, enjoys the attention and enjoys being the villain. It's kind of like a professional wrestler type of thing. Uh, you know, he likes to be the villain. Uh, the Embiid's not quite into that stage. But, you know, he's had plenty of times where he has cheap shot at opponents, and last night was one of them. And uh, he missed, so I guess he didn't get ejected because he missed. Uh, he's, not, he's not accurate with his cheap shots. <laughs> Moving on to the net side of things here, uh, just monitoring the former Suns, Mikhail Bridges, 26 points, 9 of 26. Cam Johnson, 17 points, 6 of 12. Uh, you know, obviously, I think uh, they just don't have the size to be able to match up with the 76ers here. And, and what Mikhail has done being able to unleash his offensive potential, you're certainly seeing a different side of his game. Uh, and there will be, obviously, decisions that the 
Nets will have to make uh, in the offseason about Cam Johnson and whether or not to pick up his contract, etc. So plenty of things to build around for the Nets, but obviously this is not their complete team. Yeah, they're not any good. I'm sorry, but they're just not any good. Um, yeah, Bridges, he was not good last night. I know that he had a bunch of points at the end, but he took some really bad shots. Uh, I think he realized he kind of had to take some bad shots because they just don't have enough firepower. Cam Johnson was tremendous in the previous game. Uh, but, yeah, really since the first half of that you know, last game, the game two, uh, he hasn't been particularly efficient either. So we'll see. But, yeah, the Nets, are they're not a good basketball team. And it's kind of sad that he's at, they're actually in the playoffs. But they have the you know, rules dictate that there's eight teams in. They'll play again on Saturday. Moving this over to the Kings and the Warriors. The Warriors on top, 114-97. to Without Draymond Green, the Warriors took care of business. Steph Curry led the way with 36 points on 12 of 25. Andrew Wiggins added 20 points on 8 of 16. But Kavon Looney... Beast on the boards, 20 rebounds, including nine offensive. And I also think that you just kind of saw the Kings, a young team in that atmosphere on the road, uh, up to nothing. It was a rough shooting night for the Kings. They got off to a bad start. Fox, 26 points, 9 of 22. And Malik Monk, who had been very pivotal for these Kings, uh, four points on one of nine from the floor. He was terrible. I mean, he was unstoppable in the first two games and very stoppable in game three. He kind of stopped himself to some extent. So I totally agree with you. The Kings, uh, yeah, that was a young team. Uh, for the most part, hardly some of these guys had never even played the playoff game before last weekend. Uh, it looked like a young team on the road for the first time in the playoffs, and they didn't punch back. And not only without Draymond Green, you know, Gary Payton Jr.'s out. He's arguably their second-best defender, at worst their third-best defender. You mentioned Wiggins. He wasn't going to play. They had no idea if he was going to play or not till right before the game, and then once the game started, they didn't know how long he was going to be able to play. Well, he played 34 minutes, and uh, so good for him. Uh, you know, Steph just kind of took over 36 points. The Looney thing, I loved him last year when the Warriors were winning the championship. I talked about him uh, with myself because I was sitting at home by myself uh, during that time, praying with uh, I was on the medical leave. But yeah, I don't think he got enough attention last year during the playoffs. He had the 20 rebounds. He also had nine assists last night. He, he basically became Draymond at the offensive end of the floor. Uh, so then again... If you're passing the ball to Steph, that probably helps your chances to get an assist. Uh, but uh, hopefully, uh, that you know this. I uh, hopefully that you know, if you, unless you have money on the Kings, uh, you should all be as a as basketball fans. People should be rooting for the Warriors in Game Four because this has the makings of an epic seven-game series. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more about this game. They do play. They have an extra day of rest. They don't play again until Sunday, as it is now. Kings plus seven and a half. Warriors minus seven and a half from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. We'll step aside. Real quick, apparently the reason this game's on a Sunday is because the reason that the Lakers and the, and the Clippers are both playing tomorrow in the same building is there some kind of concert going on sunday there so that's affected the kings and the warrior series 
602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. Give us a call now. We'll get to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. We'll also dive into the Arizona Diamondbacks. Get Bob's reaction to Madison Bumgarner being designated for assignment. And where does <laughs> Mad Bum end up if he ends up somewhere once he clears waivers? We'll get into a little bit more about baseball as well next. You're listening to The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Have you downloaded the KDOS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Six zero two two sixty ten sixty is the number. If you'd like to join the program, we'll take your calls now. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM ten sixty online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app powered by SuperBook Sports. In the month of April, SuperBook Sports uh, giving away a one hundred dollar gift certificate. Simple to qualify. Download the KDOS ten sixty app, register, and follow along with the instructions to get yourself eligible for the opportunity to win $100. Let's head into the world of Major League Baseball and let's start with the Arizona Diamondbacks before we get into the contest last night. Of course, the news from yesterday morning about Madison Bumgarner DFA'd uh, and this once he clears waivers, the Diamondbacks will be on the hook for a little more than $34 million. So when you first heard this, Bob, what did you think? Um, I was actually surprised. I mean, I think certainly it's the right baseball move. And, you know, I just didn't think they'd eat all the money. And uh, good for them. And, you know, good for ownership to do this. And, uh, you know, certainly Mike Hazen uh, pointed out yesterday that, you know, you know they're asking their, these guys to bust their butt. And, and they think they can make the playoffs. And obviously the expanded playoffs uh, give them the opportunity uh, to do that, but uh, yeah, Bumgarner, who you know, Hazen was here when they signed him to the the worst contract, in my opinion, in Diamondbacks history, and the fact that they're now eating thirty four plus million dollars of that just to finish the contract out, and then he's going to be pitching. I'm sure he's going to be pitching for somebody else at some point here. Uh, they're going to be paying f- to, for him to pitch for another team. Um, hopefully. Uh, you know, I think it would be kind of interesting if the Giants gave him another opportunity and uh, he would be pitching against the Diamondbacks some. Uh, but uh, I know there's a lot of talk, talk out there today about the Mets possibly being the front runner here. I know there's talk in New York City about that, and, and apparently those guys uh, that uh, cover the Mets and talk about the Mets, some of them haven't watched him pitch. It's- but uh, obviously it was terrible this year. One and three in his four start. The Diamondbacks were one and three in his four starts. Yeah, he only had uh, you know ten strikeouts and you know and fifteen walks and fourteen and two thirds innings. And just look at his career here. Remember the pandemic shortened season uh, of twenty twenty. He clearly was woefully out of shape when the uh, when they decided to play baseball. He wasn't the only guy. I mean, there were some veteran players that were caught by surprise that they were playing at all that season. Uh, probably nobody was more woefully out of shape than Bumgarner. And he had a 648 earned run average that year. 
Then when he was in shape, supposedly, in 2021, he had a 467 earn run average, 2022, a 686 earn run average, and then this year was at 1026, and I mentioned the the uh, the uh, 15 walks and 10 strikeouts in 14 and two-thirds innings. You just can't have a – you have no chance to win games, basically, uh, when you have numbers like your starting pitcher doesn't give you really an opportunity to win games unless you score 100 runs. And the one game the Diamondbacks did win uh, when he started so far this year, they scored like 100 runs. Uh, uh, so it, it was just a disaster from the start. And should have people should have realized it was going to be a disaster from the start. Not to this extent, but he wasn't any good when he left San Francisco the first time. Uh, and yes, yesterday I gave you full kudos for being one of the few that I had heard that uh, immediately when the signing of Madison Bumgarner happened here in town, you were against it. And uh, unfortunately for the team, you ended up being right. Well, we were all in the press box. We were at a Cardinals game when mm-hmm. this happened. So we were all you know, there and my colleague, a lot of our colleagues and so forth. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was just uh, – I'm sure that – I assume I was. we were sitting together when it broke, we right? I'm sure <laughs> – yeah, I was, I'm sure I was immediately appalled by the whole idea because uh, he just wasn't very good uh, in his final few, year, few years in San Francisco, last couple years in San Francisco. Even he, he was okay at home, but yeah, that was a, even a bigger ballpark now than uh, you know, then it is now. And if he couldn't be effective in that ballpark, and they had a tremendous defense at that point too, uh, unlike the current uh, San Francisco Giants defense, which is atrocious, uh, with some of the same players, I might add. They've just gotten older, and they've not replaced some, some guys that probably should have been replaced. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it was just a, it was a bad idea. Uh, so t- uh, this at least was reported yesterday by Nick Pecoro that uh, Tommy Henry is expected to get the first start of Madison yeah. Bumgarner's rotation slot. So what do you think about Tommy Henry? Not much. <laughs> um you know, a little disappointed. I mean, he was really good at the University of Michigan, and you know, good good for him that you know, he overcame that poor college decision, uh, and uh, was good at the University of Michigan. But uh, uh, I've seen enough of him that uh, I just don't think he's uh, you know a, a major league starting pitcher on a regular basis. But he's probably better than Nelson. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know what happens with Brand. You know, Fott also is a. Uh, a lot of people believe that he's going to be the guy, but you know, the smallest sample size of all time. I watched one spring training game that he pitched, and he was not good. Uh, but a lot of people think that uh, he's going to be good. Fott's going to be good, and uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, and when we talked with Matt and Phoenix in the first hour, um, it's really difficult to, especially from afar, or even probably even close up to you know, judge minor league pitchers who have to pitch in Reno and have to pitch in the PCL. Uh, I think that would be uh, really difficult for pitchers to try to develop in those kind of uh, that kind of hitter's environment, and it's the ultimate hitter's environment in as far as all of minor league baseball. So good luck. I think you got to give some of these guys a shot and see if they're any good at the major league level, and I'm guessing that they're not 100% sure before they get here, if they should be pitching in the major leagues. 
Uh, so yesterday, the Padres beat the Diamondbacks 7-5. to Fernando Tatis made his return after serving his 80-game suspension for PEDs. Uh, he hit leadoff. Lead he was 0-5 with two strikeouts. Ryan Nelson got the start for the Diamondbacks. Five innings pitched, three hits, five runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and two home runs. Michael Waka for the Padres. Four innings, ten hits, five runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Yeah, Waka got just you know got hurt by you know pretty much any Padres pitcher gets hurt by bad defense, especially corner in uh, corner defense. And yeah, yesterday it was Soto again and Tatis playing right field, which he played some a couple years ago when he uh, before he was suspended. Actually, had the motorcycle accident and then got suspended for and didn't play at all last year. In fact, last night was the first game, if I'm not mistaken, last night was the first game that Tatis has played with Bob Melvin as the manager uh, of the Padres. So good for Mel. And, uh, you know, he has him leading off, which is, I think, exactly what he should be doing. And clearly he should not be playing shortstop. He should have never been playing shortstop, really, at any point of his professional career, in my opinion. But uh, much better chance of him surviving in right field. Unfortunately, he completely you know, missed a cutoff man by about, I don't know, 50 feet last yesterday. I don't, know if, I don't even know if he knows what a cutoff man is at this point of his career. But um, he's got a chance to be, I think, okay in right field. Uh, I don't think he ever has a chance to be any good, any good at shortstop. And they have at least two shortstops, maybe three, on their current roster that are better than Tatis defensively at shortstop. Uh, so then you have Seth Lugo going for the Padres tonight. Uh, he does have a 2.70 ERA yes. up against Zach Gallen. He has a 3.33 ERA. That'll be 640 tonight on Bally Sports Arizona. Yeah, Lugo uh, getting the opportunity to start, which he wanted all along when he was with the Mets. And uh, he had some really good moments as a reliever and sometimes starter with the Mets. And uh, he's been very good so far. Uh, and so you know, he's a capable pitcher. He's certainly talented. And uh, you know, they think that they gave him the opportunity to be a starter. And uh, I'm sure that has something to do with the fact that he ended up signing with them. I don't think every other team, including the Mets, thought that he'd be really a starting pitcher. So that's good. Obviously, you know, Gallon uh, sensational last week. Didn't give up a run in either start last week. Was the National League Pitcher of the Week. And, uh, yeah, if it weren't for Garrett Cole last week, he would have been, uh, I think, probably gotten a lot more national attention. But Cole has just been spectacular to start the season for the Yankees. All right, so this is coming to us on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. John tweets in, Bob, have we ever had this many bad Major League Baseball teams? And then he adds, wow. That's a really good question. Yeah, he's 100% correct. I mean, probably we could have probably said, maybe we even said the same thing last year. Uh, you know, there are, uh, it's a real top heavy and, you know, bottom heavy you know, group in baseball. Yeah. It's a, uh, you can just pick your favorite last place team and they're pretty bad. And, uh, you know, you know, the Rockies won yesterday. How about that? So, I mean, the, I don't know if the Phillies are going to disband now after they lost to the Rockies or whatever, but the Rockies just got swept at home by the Pirates. Uh, so they're bad, and then you can, like I said, pick pick your favorite talent. Oakland's the worst team. Um, they might be the least talented major league team I have ever seen, and I'm not exaggerating here. Kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, I remember Oregon State football a couple of a few years ago before they, they got Jonathan Smith. 
uh, be, be their head coach in football. But, you know, I mentioned you know, Oregon State was like the worst Pac-10 slash Pac-12 team uh, maybe ever for like a two- or three-year span. And uh, the Oakland Athletics are at that stage, and it looks like they're going to be moving to Las Vegas. And God bless my friends in Las Vegas. Maybe they'll put some money into the organization. And I guess pretty much, uh, you know, except for the Warriors, if you leave Oakland, you just move to Las Vegas. Uh, well, I guess the Phillies are waiting for Bryce Harper to return. I guess he could come back as early yes. as May uh, and, and early in the month in May. Well, he's going to play first base, too. Which, you know, he wouldn't be doing that if you were going to play right field. Uh, so good for them. He's a really uh, – you know, there are a few players, a few athletes that I think a lot of people, including myself, have changed their mind about than Bryce Harper, who is an arrogant kid. And we first saw him when he was like 16, literally on the cover of Sports Illustrated, when he grew up in Las Vegas, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, he's a plays his ass off, and I really enjoy watching him play baseball. So uh, you know, even if it's first base, you know, the Harper playing is good for the sport. We wrap up hour number one on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. On this Friday, April 21st, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Let's take a look at what's going on on the PGA Tour. Uh, things at the Zurich Classic, though, currently in a weather delay. Uh, so yesterday, things finished up with our brother tandem of Matt Fitzpatrick and Alex Fitzpatrick. They ended up one off the lead at day's end. They have yet to tee off and get their round started today. Remember, today is alternate shot. Uh, so we'll see how the weather shapes up and if they'll be able to to continue round two later this afternoon. Uh, the odds-on favorite, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay, they're nine under through 15 today, catapulting themselves up to 14 under par for the tournament and in second place. Our other guys, Nikolai Hogard and Thorborn Olison, they're five under through 11 today, shot up to tie for fifth. They're through 11 holes, so we'll see how they continue once play resumes. And our guys, Denny McCarthy and Joel Damon, they're two under today through 14 and nine under par. Bob, I'm sure you remember this name. Blast from mm. the past. John Daly. He uh, oh, God. <laughs> he teed it up with David Duvall. Uh, they did not play well, though. They shot 11 over today, 83, wow. and in uh, last place. So they will not be sticking around for the weekend. Okay, John Daly, he hits the ball seven miles and also likes to party. Those yes. are my two John Daly things. Uh, so I'm seeing this here. College football had gone through a process of maybe potentially making some rules changes, and it looks like some of the leaders in college football have decided they're going to move forward with three things involving clock and therefore I think would help the the, the speed of the sport and the duration of the game. So it looks yeah. like uh, there's going to be no consecutive timeouts allowed. 
There's going to be no untimed downs at the end of the first quarter and at the end of the third quarter. So that's if there was a penalty or something, it would move into the next quarter to start play. And then the big one here is that there yeah. will no longer be uh, clock stoppages after a first down. The clock will only stop inside of two minutes. This is something, there have been few topics, if any, I've talked about more frequently uh, than this. In, since I've been doing talk radio since like, you know, 1988 on a regular basis. And uh, this was a rule that actually they put in in the late 60s because there wasn't enough offense in college, enough scoring in college football. And uh, I remember I got into a spirited, in, in, it was a friendly discussion with Dirk Cutter. And obviously he's an offensive guy. And I just thought that this was a stupid rule. And, you know, we had uh, some spirited, probably, you know, a little more adversarial discussions over the years with Dirk. But this one was one, it was a, uh, it, it probably the best discussion I ever had with Dirk. Uh, in fact, was about this and, you know, he, he had some good points, and he's an offensive guy. But, you know, I just thought it was absurd that they just didn't, you know, they just you know, stopped the clock and set the chains and all that crap. And, uh, you know, those were when you know, games were lasting four hours all the time because there were so many pass plays and so forth in college football, even more than now. So, you know, anyway, so I'm all in favor of this, needless to say. I'm sure that the television networks have something to do with this, even though I can't imagine that they haven't done this before because of all the money that's now in college football television-wise. And uh, it seems like the attention span of the uh, human being in America gets less and less every year. Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. They're located 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. You can also visit them online at vaughnhansensmeats.net. We'll have the $100 gift certificate. I think that's coming up in hour number two. In addition to that, we'll uh, recite the weekend special. Some good things happening over at Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Extra point, hour two, coming up next.